There we go. There you go. You're good. Sorry. You're good now. It's all good. So we, we were just talking about how us. Uh, I mean, I guess you're. We, I've had this conversation with a few people. Like, what wave of drifting would you consider yourself? Like, because like first wave drifting, you first wave U.S. drifting is obviously like a Vaughn, a Dai, or a Dai Ushahara. You know, what I mean, Chris like, as well. Ryan's kind of like one point two five wave because uh, he's not like true first day. But what what wave or generation of drifting, like U.S. drifting, would you consider yourself? I would say so. So I come from Club Loose, okay. which is where a lot of us come from, right? So that's based in New Jersey. I'm from Philadelphia. Okay. Um, I would say when people ask me that question, I kind of go off of the generations that I know of that have happened through Club Loose already. Okay. So from my perspective, the first generation of Club Loose was people like – was the original Drift Alliance. Right. All right. <clears throat> so it was Tony Angelo, Chris Forsberg – uh, Vaughn Gittin Jr. Yeah. And then it was a different Ryan that was, I think, from Vegas or something like that. But eventually Ryan Turek ended up becoming part of that, um, which he wasn't called Turek at that time. They called him Hampshire because that's just where he was from. He was from New Hampshire. Nobody remembered his name oh, or something like that. Oh, interesting. So so I, I believe that's how the story goes. I could be wrong, but I mean, like, only the historics from Club Loose would remember. <laughs> I remember for a while that they would just call him they wouldn't call him Hampshire. They would Hampshire. They were called Hampshire or Hampshire. something like that. Yeah. And he he showed up like in a. I think I saw this in a documentary where they confirmed that he showed up in a coupe and just like beat everyone at, at Club Loose at the time. Yeah. Like, so that anyway, that was like first. <laughs> That's first Club wave. generation yeah. was those guys. Yeah, and then I came right after that. Okay, I guess. So you. I came. I came in. I came. I started drifting in two thousand five on the streets of Philadelphia because. Back then, you could say that their drifting was so minute that, like, you could say you were just a street drifter, and that was like, all right, cool. Nowadays, it's like, uh, you could just go to the track. There's a million places you can go. Yeah, like, a little there's different. No need for that no more. Yeah, it's a little bit different. So then, I in 2007 is when I officially joined Club Loose. So and then I, when I looked at that, I was like, oh, I'm second second generation for sure when it comes to that. If I'm going to go off of the East Coast type of way, so I grew up watching Drift Alliance and. And all that stuff and Signal Auto that came to New Jersey and put on a demo. So yeah. I had a very early Japanese influence mixed in with a little American rock from Drift Alliance. Right. And that was my upbringing. With a, with my introduction was Initial D. But then my real life introduction, seeing it in person was seeing the D1 events and seeing all of that culture happen and that rock and roll uh, you know, drift, drift or die mentality that they had over there. It, it, it's like I, I I miss that being like an old school punk rock guy, like metalhead. Like I do miss those quote unquote like hardcore days. I mean they're they're still around. It's just I guess it oh, you just gotta come a club loose. I know, you know? <laughs> I know I do. I really, I really do. Um Yeah, I know. It's it's one of those things like I wish I honestly I wish I was more cultured in drifting. Like I know I know what I know. Um and I've been to a lot of different events over the years, but there's so many that I know I need to like get connected with and and it's it's tough though because like there's i i feel like there's not enough information coming from each local scene although club loose is is definitely like mdu club loose um you know uh the scene down in texas those are the ones that like they're they're kind of like the the pinnacles that a lot of drifting kind of builds off of right um like what aaron lousy is doing down there um and then i mean obviously the guys up in in the like coastal west you know it it's it's just interesting where 
you find these pillars of drifting and then everything kind of scatters away from that. Like even in Canada, it's not, there's nothing really solid unless you go to like very specific spots in Quebec, but then it's so isolated to that area where it's like, if you don't speak French, you're not really part of that group. So it doesn't expand yeah. out as much, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. So now that we've got like that kind of in there, you, so I, I know your name from drifting just from being in the scene. Um, but for anybody who's uninitiated, which is a great term for a drifting podcast, can you give me kind <laughs> of your quick background and like what you've done and what you're doing now? Oh man. Um, okay. So like I said, I started, there, I started drifting in 2005, joined club loose in 2007. And then I was kind of just drifting locally in 2007 to about 2000, <laughs> 2011. And then, like, there was this opportunity that came up where I was able to become an instructor. Right. So I was instructing to save cost, and then I was getting more involved into um, maybe doing some competition because back then program was way different than what program is now, right? Um, program was like a series. Program was like you would go to multi states, and it, the whole the whole culture was really different back then. Yeah, it was um, a miniature. It was like a miniature <laughs> FD, right? Like it was. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's not that I want to say people took it more serious back then, but it's almost as if drifting was so was so foreign to people still that it was very unobtainable. So only the people that were serious were the ones that really were doing it. Whereas now, I feel like it's very obtainable. So you kind of get everything. You get a lot of people that like it, but then you're going to get a couple rotten apples that go along with it too that are just doing it for the hype. You know what I mean? So like, which I totally get. So I did that for a while, just doing local comps. Did, did a couple Drift Nirvana events and kind of just went around really trying to figure out like what to do with this. And then with instructing, I kind of stopped a little bit because I started doing Prime in 2012, 2013. And I pretty much stopped in 2014 simply because there was nobody in the stands. I was like, let me get this straight. So I'm spending all this money to go drift in front of my friends. And there's like maybe 24 of us here. Yeah. And the only people that are in the stands are like our friends. And like it's it's like no one was there really giving a damn about the Prime. So like – in my part of the country at that time in 2013, 2014, nobody really gave a damn about programs. Nobody really gave a damn about competition because the culture there was predominantly the way Club Loose had set it into place, which is big party events, skateboard style, punk rock. And so that's pretty much what dominated there, which was nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you wanted to go do competitions, you were probably going down south and stuff like that. So I kind of ended up going around, jumping around to Virginia competing and stuff like that and then i decided to start to do something like it's called a bash tour that's how i ended up going to canada for uh what was it the uh, maple leaf bash that they had over in saint Eustache. crazy so, right <laughs> crazy place over there i got to drift over there and then i kind of got tired of driving because it cost me a lot of money so like yeah. i started asking bc racing who's been sponsoring me since 2007 so Holy i kind of treated bc yeah i treated bc racing like some skaters do like ski sneaker companies, like they just been with them forever. Yeah. And like I just have such a great relationship with them. And like the person who's now the marketing manager, like we've kind of gone through so much before he became in that position that there's just no at this point it's not like, oh, is BC a better product? It's like it's so much more than that. It's mm -hmm. like, yo, are they are they gonna be able to help you do so many more things that you're being involved in? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I've been with them for a while and I asked them like, hey, listen, I want to take a couple of drivers to different bash events. So I took 
one of the club loose drivers up to San, not San Estas, I, no, I took him over to uh, the other one, Shannonville. Yeah, yeah. And that's, we kind of just stopping grounds. Yeah, yeah, we went over there and like I shredded there one year, and then I just paid some other dude to go up there so we could he could experience it. We did that for a while. And we did a lot of those videos, which happens to be the videos that were made by the the media guy from RTR now, which right. is Michael Russo. Yeah. So like, who's a beast? Just, who's a, yeah? And he's he, he was so good. He's so good at what he does. And back then, he was just down for the cause. He's like, Reese, let's just go and do this. So. You can kind of see as as we all start outgrowing what we're doing, we just kind of help our friends get placed in better positions and it all ends up coming full circle. Like Chelsea, I've known since we were teenagers. And then although I've decided to do other things in the profession aspect as in being a spotter and stuff like that for years, just got spotter of the year last year in Formula Drift. And then I decided to call it quits because I wanted to focus more on the drifting school, which is what I've been doing more recently in the last four to five years. Who are you spotting with for? dad and clinics. Uh, last year I was spotting for Alec Robin. Okay. Um, I spotted for uh, Matt Kaufman the last year he was there. Ah, and, I uh, but I, I, I jumped around a bit because like this, this prospect guys, a lot of those guys were club loose guys. Right. So like they just would be like, yo, can you please just help us? So I played, I did a lot of double duty and stuff like that. And it just, I don't know. I just try to simplify this, the whole spotting thing. I, I don't want to say, I don't think it's that hard if you know what you're looking for, but mm-hmm. in any case, I, I got really fortunate enough where they kind of said, Hey, listen, you, you did the best out of the spotters this year. And it was, it was a really cool honor because it's, you're doing something on the professional aspect now and, and it's helping you, it's helping me, especially with like the school and everything else that I do. And I don't know, it's just, it's a very unique story. I mean, I've been a spotter, a judge, uh, <laughs> driving, currently driving now. Last year I drove in clutch kickers, picked up this really cool sponsorship from um, a hydro boat racer who wanted to get into drifting and he hired me to be his instructor. And then he realized the car he bought was too much car for him. And then uh, with a string of luck, he was just like, I ended up becoming the driver of that car. That's so sick. now that car that you'll see sometimes pop up that I go compete with is like the old Siki manufacturing 350Z from way back in the day. Holy shit. Right? Okay. So, <laughs> so we took it. I respectfully, I took it and I, I, I told him to take it apart and I wanted yeah. to make it more of what I like. Not that I'm not saying James Evan doesn't know how to build cars or whatever. Yeah. I just, but his, every driver's style got a different style. Different. Yeah. 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 So I, I ditched some things and I put other angle kits on and I put the way I like to drive it. And then I've been shredding around with that. So it's, I don't know, the last year or two years and it's been pretty, it's been pretty wild, man. Like, yeah. It's crazy that now you don't have to be a professional driver. Like I do so many other things and I get to travel literally the world now um, and and be involved with this at either the top tier level or at some of the top levels when it comes to grassroots, which is really cool. What, what do you, what's your schedule like this year? I'm, I'm just more curious selfishly to see where we're going to run into each other. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going to – if I go to any of the Formula Drift events, it's probably going to be – Utah, just because it's a new event, it's a new yeah. venue. Um, I, I, as much as I want to go to the Formula Drift events, and I, and I kind of miss seeing my friends and everything. Um, mm-hmm. I just every weekend, I, I know I'll get it's it's tough. Uh, Formula Drift isn't just you fly in, you're there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you go home. I'm there the whole week. Yeah, you know what I mean. And there's been times I've had other teams that have come over and say, "Hey, listen, can you look at these videos?" So then the next day after the event, you're looking through, you're coaching, you're giving suggestions. 
um, preference judge, you know, pre- uh, preferences on how you should do things. So your week, it ends up becoming a week. So if you calculate that out, that's two months out of your entire season that now you've contributed to this. And not that I'm not saying I, I need to make money, but I mean, I'm 37, I'm going to be 37 in two days. And at this point, like if this is my livelihood, I have to make sure I schedule it out correctly so I can still yeah. do what I can do to make a living, you know? Well, it, and that's the the tough part about doing what you love. Sometimes it's like it's it's great. Like it, I'm, I mean, I'm running into that this year where I'm I'm gone ninety days this year or something like that. And it's like, you know, I have people hitting me up like, "Oh man, you should just come out to this event." I'm like, uh, not to sound shitty, but like if I can't make money doing it, I have to be very careful because like my time is now more limited. I, I had a friend of mine hit me up. He's like, "Hey." I got you a media pass for Pikes Peak. Do you want to come out? And I'm like, part of me is like, yeah, of course. That's that's incredible. Like to go sit up on the mountain for four days, five days, whatever. And then immediately I'm like, that's going to cost me even $3,000 plus missing all that time where I'm not with my team working. And it's like, fuck, like, <laughs> like it'd be, it'd be yeah. amazing, but it's, it's so, so tough. So yeah. I, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's really <sighs> tough to do any of that stuff, you know? That's yeah. why I like, like when Chelsea, Travis, Vaughn, and and you know they all said, "Hey, listen, come to Saudi Arabia to do this event." It was very easy for us to go because it's January. There's nothing yeah. going on, so we were able to go out there carefree and really like give ourselves all to this event. But it's really hard to do that when you start going through uh, the season, even if you're not a driver. I mean, I can imagine crew chiefs, mechanics. Like the media people that like literally get stretched thin because there's so many events that they need to get to. Like, I know. I don't think I don't think the general public or the average drifting fan understands how many people outside of just the driver needs to come together in order to make this big thing that you see. Like, it's yeah, it's a lot. They make it. It makes it look so easy that like you just see a car on track dri- driving and you're like, okay, like that's at least six other people, bare minimum six other people to get that car on the track, other than the guy yeah, driving yeah. it. You know, especially so, in Formula Drift. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, even even like the quote unquote party cars now are still you know at a bare minimum 500 horsepower, so they need at least one mechanic on them at every event. Plus, you've got guys changing tires, like, and then Vaughn doesn't go anywhere without some sort of media activation. Like, he doesn't. He, he just yeah, can't. Yeah. He just can't just show up at an event. So, yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's tough. I, the, the best thing I ever heard um, Vaughn once said it to the Pro Two guys. I mean, that gives you a time scale. Um, and he just said that you know, driving at this event is the reward for all of the hard work you put in getting here. He's like, the actual time yeah. on track is is the gift. He's like, all the the fucking marketing you have to do, the logistics of getting here, the finding the money, getting the food, getting water, you know, sleeping in shitty hotels, all that work for you know, arguably 10 minutes of actual driving, like depending on how your weekend goes, you, that, that could be the, the only amount of time that you actually get on the track is 10, 15 minutes. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you average it out, it's really not a lot of driving time and it's, you have to be very, I mean, that's why me as an instructor, when I have a lot of kids that show up and and they literally are their fathers, like I want them to be a professional drifter. I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, this isn't the place for you, dude. And yeah. then they're just like, what? You know what I mean? And I'm like, but this is what you do. I'm like, no, you're right. I do. Like, but those are individuals that have made a choice in their life to do this. Like, and, and almost like, nothing th- else. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, your kid's 12 years old. Like, do you have any idea what you're about to like take away from him? Like, it's, yeah. it's, 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 this isn't like drifting in 2001. Yeah. Like, where you can just, oh, I'm just going to do it. 
no, these, these people are putting a lot of money into it. And I'm just like, bro, time out. Like you got to like take a step back. It's, it's, it just, it's turned into so many things. There's so many layers to it, like peeling it away. I mean, I never thought drifting would be like this. If you would have told me back in 2005, when I got into drifting, that drifting would be as this complex, not that it isn't fun. It's still great, but to know that there's so many layers to it, I would have been like, you're full of shit. There's no way. (laughs) Well, I mean, just looking at, you know, regional, just, you know, regional drift series that we've talked about, different styles and cultures of driving. And then, and then now the logistics of, of doing it competitively and the cost behind it, the, you know, the amount of planning and sponsorship deals you have to go through. And I mean, once again, selfishly, like if you want to compete at a high level, you need some sort of marketing engine behind you. Uh, even if it's mm. at a, even if it's at a low level of like, Hey, you know, my, my cousin handles all my social media for me, or, uh, my brother comes out and takes photos and we post those photos. Like you, unfortunately, uh, unless you are uh, born into money, which there are guys who are, and, and anybody who shits on those guys is an asshole because you can't tell me right now that if your dad was worth millions of dollars, you wouldn't be drifting as much as humanly possible. Um, <laughs> but unless you've you're, got you're that, unless, you, yeah, unless, you, unless you've been born into that, you need some sort of marketing behind you to get sponsors. Like Even the best drivers in the world don't just get sponsors because they're good. Like it's, it's so tough. I I mean, I don't, I don't envy anybody getting into it now. I mean, that's why realistically speaking, I realized like my level of drifting was only going to get so far. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to bang doors with shitty BMWs because like, yeah, it'd be nice to get into a fully prepped, like 500 horsepower car that can burn through a set of 255s, no problem. But like, that, because I want to know, I just need to know if I'm any good, even though I know I'm not. Um, but for me, that juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like the amount of work I have oh. to put in to build that car and drive that car. And yeah, for sure. I know if I marketed myself correctly, I could for sure get some decent sponsors on board and do it for cheap. But it's like the amount of work that has to go into that, is that fun for me anymore? And for me, it's not. But speaking to some guys like, like uh, you, you mentioned Alec Robbins, he he lives for this. Like he fucking breathes it. Like everything in his yeah. soul is there to be the best driver at, at whatever event he's going to. I mean, um, I, I did a little bit of work with him back in Pro Two, and I was there when he had uh, in Texas against Kelsey Robbins or Kelsey Rollings when that crazy call happened. And like, I've never like you. You just you can see it, and, and I'm sure you see it all the time. Instructing there are guys that are there just to drive and have fun and get better, and there are guys where it's like, no, no, no. The only option I have is to be the greatest of all time, and that's it. Like that's just where their brains at. It's it's cra- I, it's cra- it's just crazy to see the difference. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely a more of a uh, a competitive nature nowadays. I think in drifting, um, it's really. It's not really the culture that I come from. I mean, um, yeah. I definitely enjoy it. I think the culture that I came from was more of a you need to treat drifting more of a skateboard mentality type thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that works the best only because when you – I feel like if you treat drifting like racing, it becomes way too narrow-minded. But when you treat drifting like it's skateboarding, it becomes more of a community thing. And what I mean by that, it's like when you go skateboarding, like you're going to have your video guy. You're going to account for all of these things because that's what makes it like your personality. Mm-hmm. When you treat drifting more of like skateboarding, it's more of like your personality mixed in how you're driving, not how good you are. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like 
not for nothing, there's plenty of drifters. I ain't going to mention their names because I don't want to single them out. But like, there's plenty of drifters that haven't won a championship and let alone have even won any events in Formula Drift. But they're cool. Yeah. And that's all it takes. And I think... I think when you when people and I hope drifting gets to the point where they can start scaling how good they are like that. But like to me, competitive drifting is like I'm showing up to a particular event at a particular part of the country where a particular group of people have decided to compete. That's totally different when you just show up to an event where you know good people are going to show up and it's going to be a fun event. But for yeah. whatever reason, there's something in the air that you know. There's a lot of dudes that are going to show up that are good. And it isn't a competition event. But somewhere in that three-day or two-day event, there's going to be a session where motherfuckers throw down. <laughs> and when they throw down in that session, if you are fortunate enough to be in there sparring it out and duking it out with these dudes, not that there's going to be a definitive winner. That's not the point. That's not the, the point. point is – that you were even allowed to be in the mix. Oh, I have goosebumps. Yeah. So yeah, when, I, do, I, I get it. When you get to that point, the to me, in my opinion, when you get to that point, who cares about the competition stuff? You know, the competition stuff, I feel like it was just a way that was put it. It was a way. It's a way for us to make a living out of it. I make a living out of it. Mm. You can scale a competition. You can turn it into something. You can sell tickets. It's kind of hard when you look at the grassroots stuff. It's a little like a little iffy. I, I get that. America's more kind of scaled for like racing events, first, second, and third, blah, blah, blah. So I get why that exists. But like I think a lot of people need to realize like I've seen a lot of competition drivers come to a regular grassroots event and get their asses handed to them. Not like literally, but you you can kind of see on their face like, what the fuck? Like what am it's I doing different. wrong? It's yeah. different. And when – and then you start really like, – when you get to see them kind of question themselves like, damn, am I really – like are these people just that good? You know, that's like – at that point, like that's – to me, that's real drifting. Like there's some serious shit that's going on there. And that happens every now and then. Like it mm -hmm. happens on Drift Week. I was fortunate enough to go to Drift Week. A little of that happened there. It happens when you go to these bash events. You just have to know when it happens. There's no schedule for it. It's like if you're one of those good dudes and you just happen to be in a session where motherfuckers are throwing down – that should be the validation you need just for yourself to be like, yo, I'm one of the, I'm one of the real ones out here doing it. Yeah. And not a lot of people, the, the, the dude on the internet isn't there. The dude talking shit here isn't there. You're there. You're in there ripping. That, that should be more important than, than anything else. That's the way I was taught at club loose. Like those are the moments you live for. Yeah. And I mean, I've been, uh, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to witness them or be a passenger. And I, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not, I'm not at that level, but I, I, I completely understand the feeling. Like right. I, um, I, I mentioned this, I think in the last podcast, one of the last ones where I was fortunate enough to ride along with Jeff Stoneback at Grid Life Atlanta during one of those sessions. And it, dude, it was it like, I wish you could see the amount of goosebumps I have right now. And like, I fucking love Jeff. Like it just, I, we barely just know each other. We barely know each other, all things considered. But every time we see each other, just big hugs, like, holy shit. And I think, I honestly think is because of that moment. And like, he, he ended up, his car ran shitty right afterwards. He couldn't like, we only got like three or four laps in, but man, it was crazy. And yeah, you're right. There is no other feeling in the world and there's no other validation like that. It, but I mean, to, to play devil's advocate completely, it's like, 
the reason why we can do that now more often in my mind is because we have competition level where parts are developed, where strategies are developed, where people learn car setup in an accelerated way with, with data. And it's like, would WiseFab be around without formula drift or without, you know, uh, the European drifting? I mean, really realistically, WiseFab is more about European drifting in theory yeah. than us drifting, but like, would would FDF have been developed if Josiah didn't, you know, try to make a run at that? Like, it, I'm just curious. And I mean, I'm sure I could have Josiah on again and ask him specifically. But in my mind, like, you need to have that high level drifting to get companies like a like company like Holly, you know, invested in drifting. So then they would would jump in with somebody else or like an Edelbrock with a Jeff Jones. Right. Mm. It's like, would Edelbrock ever make parts for drift cars? If it wasn't for, you know, Jeff Jones racing in, in Formula Drift, I right. don't know. That's that that's that's how I see it. It's like you need it, it can't be an us versus them thing. You need that high level drifting in order to kind of help build grassroots or non-competitive or party drifting, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So I mean that's that's my take on it. Like I love both absolutely equally. There is nothing like, you know, Castro chasing James Dean in Orlando. And and there's also nothing like, you know, Ryan Turk, JTP, Von Gitten. Oh man, I think we lost him. All right, we're back. It it happens. It happens. I I think I was on a rant about how like Just seeing Jones. FD, yeah, and and like seeing FD drivers at their best in my mind also compares to seeing like, you know, like a grid life party train of fifteen cars mixed of like pros and grassroots guys and vibe guys and. And and then like um, uh, th I don't know if you know who Thick Rick is. Um, he uh, what does he have like a BMW E30 or something like that that's been like beat to shit? And he somehow snuck through the approval process at Gridlife, and they've just let him back every year. Like because it, he like the car makes like 150 horsepower, but he street drives it there and just throws down with like the pros and shit. It's it's one of that's the coolest awesome. things ever. Oh, it's so cool. If, if you're listening, or I mean afterwards, Reese, check out Thick Rick drifting. Um, cause he's a, he's a super, super cool guy, but My God, that's yeah, really I mean, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I think, I think both things have their place and both are necessary. You need party guys to push people to want to drive competitively and you need competitive mm -hmm. guys to keep, you know, party money flowing in. So I, I agree. I think, um, I, I talked to Losi, Aaron Losi, cause we, we had a little conversation during drift week about it and I told him it's yeah. a necessary thing. I, I think. I think the worst statement that I've heard in the last five years is maybe, oh, America, American drifting is ruining drifting. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's the worst. I'm not saying it's fixing or anything, but I'm saying it's definitely contributing. <laughs> um, it's contributing because America is so big and I've yeah. been so lucky enough to travel to so many places in the country. Drifting has so many different subcultures in America and we should be so lucky to be in a place where you can go to Chicago and you're going to get a different flavor. You're going to go to English town. You're going to get a different flavor. You go to the Bay area. It's going to be different. You go to the Pacific Northwest. It's going to, you go to Texas. It's going to be different. You go to Florida, yeah. really different. So like really different. <laughs> yeah. Really different. So like it's, it's everything is going, you know, and, and, and instead of it, look, instead of us looking at it, like it's a negative thing, I'm like, how well, look at it. Like it's a positive thing. Like what other place has this many flavors available like nobody has that mm -hmm. so it's like and the competition drifting that's happening 
um, I think is doing really good because, like you said, it definitely evolves the sport and allows it to develop more and more and more and more and more because we didn't have a clue what we were doing back in 2007, 2008. We have uh, – at least I'd like to think we have a better idea now. But I mean like it, it only helps the, the sport evolve. And I know there's a lot of people that say, oh, the golden years of drifting are X, Y, and Z. But I remember telling Aaron – I was like, I really think the golden years is really just like the perspective on that individual when they were younger having fun times with their car. So whether that's 2003 or like 2021 right now, that's going to be that indefined now. That's all good. We work through it. I, honestly, this app has been kind of like back and forth. I've had so many issues with like OBS and other recording softwares, and this is supposed to be the solution, but so far it's, it's frustrating more than anything. But I'm going to blame your internet for this one. All right, we it's all right. we should we should we should get into the judging stuff and the well maybe not let's well hang on the judging let's get into to to driving instructing, so you and I are both going down a similar path when it comes to TikTok right now, which is trying to get information out of our heads that is just kind of locked away and and getting it out there to other people and and arguably you're having far more success with it than I am. Um, <laughs> I love the I love the breakdowns of like watching drifting videos and like breaking down what the driver's doing right, what they're doing wrong. Um, is there is there like an epidemic of like one thing people are doing wrong all the time that's that's like got you bothered where you see it and you're like, please, please just stop doing that so much? Um, I think the standard thing that I've, I've always seen is just a lot of people immediately think they need more horsepower than they do. Okay. So that'll be like the first thing that I see is like, you know, someone will drift or – like when someone says I've been drifting for a year, um, if a, if twenty people tell me that, that one year is going to look different across the board of those twenty people. Like that could be four events, yeah, <laughs> which is point. like the equivalent of like, you know what I mean. So I know everyone's going to have a different idea of what they think their time should be. So unfortunately, I think what happens is. On um, people think, oh, I'm going to get more power and stuff like that. And they could just be doing it because, like, they're driving it on the street, so they want to have a faster car on the street at the same time. I don't know, whatever the reason is. So they'll get a car that has more power, and then they'll, they'll start drifting. But there's a very big difference between momentum drifting and someone who's doing power drifting. You can kind of see, like, they go a lot slower into the corner and they build up speed as they're going through the corner as in mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're taking baby steps to control the car as they're progressively giving it more throttle opposed to someone who's just coming in using straight momentum and inertia, scrubbing speed appropriately and then coming out of the pocket on throttle is like two completely different dynamics. So I understand why people think that that still is drifting, which in my opinion, I don't think it is. But I, I think that's the biggest problem is just a lot of people just get power too quickly. And I think right after that, it's, uh, you know, I, I love the fact that we have like Drift HQ and we have Njuku Racing and we have all of these places that you can just go and look at a catalog and just select all and buy and you're ready to go. As much as that's awesome, the inexperienced person that's clicking through and highlighting everything sometimes puts themselves at a disadvantage because now – they have access to parts and adjustability that they have no education about. So I think what happens there is they try to do the rights and says, oh, I'm going to pay someone to set up my car. Well, who's that person that sets up your car? What type of experience do they have? What type yeah. of driving preference do they have? What type of trucks did they drive? So 
as much as we want to think that it's a one-dimensional uh, answer to a lot of these questions, it's just not that. So many things have taken into play, weather, track surface, you know, what type of, is it a technical track? Is it a fast track? All of that stuff is going to vary um, your tendencies if that's where you learn how to drift. Like the people in the Pacific Northwest are probably really good technical drivers because they have park. The people that are in English town are going to be really good at semi-technical that goes into high-speed stuff because that's what our, that's what we've been raised to drive. Yeah. So I think what you are accustomed to driving is going to dictate what you're comfortable with and evidently what your bad customs are going to be or what your bad habits are. And it's up to you to be open-minded as a driver and try to figure out what can I adjust? What can I? What kung fu can I learn from this master, <laughs> and then I'll apply it to this? You know what I mean? And figure out these little these things, and you know, I think that's the magic with that. Yeah, that's that's a solid point. Is it? Is there like a an amount of horsepower you deem as like okay, this is the like this is kind of the magic number where it's like not too expensive, but you can still have fun and like. I mean, I guess with unlimited um, money, a thousand horsepower is not that expensive. But I, I, I <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 not a, it's 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 expensive to maintain it. I mean, I think, I think right now it really depends. Again, it depends the car you're going to get. So I mean, I think right now I get the question is like, what what should be the car I get if I'm brand new to drifting and I want to get into this sport? I'm like, well, it's obviously either going to be a BMW E36 or an E46 or um, a 350Z, whether it's the slower DE or it's the higher horsepower HR. Mm. Um, you can argue and say you can get a Corvette. You can argue and say you can get a 350Z. I'm talking about the general public who has what's going to be more of what people are going to get. You could get some of that other stuff, but some of those other cars, such as the Corvette, although an amazing car, I know a lot of people that are now prematurely just getting this Corvette because they have the money to be able to do it. But there's yeah. some things, there's some characteristics in the Corvette that will then transfer into you having a bad habit because it has either too much power or the way it transfers or because you don't know how to control the snap that the Corvette naturally has. Yeah. You will get an angle kit to, to fix that. So trying to take someone who doesn't have the education and, and show them that how complicated it is could be pretty daunting. And I think that's what instructors such as myself and many other that are around the country – have uh probably deal with the most is how do we break it down so they can see that there isn't a one trick pony to all of this like you have to be adaptive um or else you're just not going you're going to miss the boat you know what i mean yeah yeah it's i mean i i i'm somebody who likes to drift obscure chassis because i enjoy I mean, realistically, I just enjoyed the, the attention of driving something that nobody else wants to drive. Like, I, I know I probably could have progressed a lot faster by just jumping into an E36, but instead I bought a, uh, you know, a 540i because nobody else wants to use those and, and it had a V8. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. I, but that's I, the cool aspect. That's the cool aspect that's awesome about drifting that you could just go do that. You know what I mean? And and that's yeah. A-OK. -okay, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I... I enjoy it. I enjoy I mean, it's also a built-in excuse for people like, oh, you're not very good. I'm like, oh, it's a shit car. So yeah, I'm not going to be very good. <laughs> but like I said, it's it's definitely, a, for me, it's more of a personality thing where it's like, yeah, I could definitely get a, an E36. I mean, it's a lot harder to get in Canada now. I think E92s are probably even cheaper than E36s at this point. Um, right. But that's just because of rust, which I'm sure you're fully aware of. Um, 
unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that like jumping into power too quickly is definitely is definitely an issue. I mean, a, a lot of guys will bitch like, oh, you know, you use the handbrake too much or you do this too much. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, those those are tools that are now part a part of drifting as anything else is as much as the clutch kick is. So it's like, you know, can you can you bitch at a guy for left foot braking too much at this point or, you know, uh, or I mean, I mean, I would, entry. I, from, from a judging perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think all the tools that are available, whether it's a handbrake, like if you're using a hand, if you're if you're by yourself and there's no one there with you and you're kind of just going through the track and I can see you stunned and, and I'm in the car with you and I can feel that you're stunning your momentum for the sake of you not being committed when you do a transition. So you're using the handbrake to, in, to induce the transition. Mm. I, I, it's just really hard for anyone to tell me that that's not a really bad habit. Like okay. it's, I, I don't see any benefit from it. I, I, I can understand if in, if this is your first day drifting, that's what you're doing. But if yeah. this is like six months down into it, it's like, bro, what are you doing? Like, I, I get it. You, you did that, but that is going to turn into a huge problem later on down the line. If this is what you get accustomed to, because now if you get into a tandem somehow and you do that in a section where. There's no reason for you to stun them. Yeah, yeah, on throttle. There's going to be an incident or there's going to be an accordion effect with the person behind you. So that's what I try to teach a lot of my students is like, look, I'm telling you this now because if you adhere to the correct line from the gate and you adhere to always keeping a conscious mind of keeping momentum always on your end, you're going to never have an issue where you're messing up the guy behind you. Um, But then I go right back into using the handbrake again when you go into tandem because at that point you're adjusting your line to someone in front. So. I think that's where it really gets skewed, where a lot of people have different ways of doing it. I understand that you're going to throw a backy, but if you're throwing a backy at an increasing radius turn, that's just counterproductive. That the, like the science doesn't make sense. Like I don't, I mean, they never do that. Every every turn that I see people do a crazy backy from Japan, it's an it's a decreasing radius turn. Yeah. But then the, un, the uneducated person is going to try to do that somewhere here in America or wherever, and at a turn that doesn't call for that type of inertia or that line or anything like that. So it's a, it's interesting how people perceive things that they see and then they try to apply them. But I guess, I guess that, that, that happens with every sport, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's an education thing too, right? It's if, if, if you've never had proper instruction, because there's, unfortunately there's a lot of ego with, with, any motorsport or any sport in general where it's like, Oh, I already know what the fuck I'm doing. Why would I, why would I go for a drift instructor? Right? Like, why would I do that? But yet when, you know, there's something wrong with the car or they're not doing well, the first immediate thing is, well, adjust the car. And it's never, it very rarely is it adjust the driver. It's, it's like, Oh, well, you know, I can't make it through this corner. Let's pull some grip out. And it's like, well, no, if you were, you know, a little more throttle committed at the beginning of the corner and you didn't scrub speed, you would have been able to finish that. But instead you, you know, you back the car in, scrubbed a ton of speed and tried to power out and the car just couldn't do it. So right. it's not the car's fault. You just didn't adapt. You didn't change your driving style for what power you have and what grip level you have. Exactly. And I'm, yeah. and that language that you just spoke is uh, unfortunately pretty foreign to a lot of people, you know what I mean? <laughs> to, to understand yeah. that that you know how that how the geometry breaks down and how momentum is like a real it's a real thing you know what i mean well i'm a, i'm a massive nerd in reviewing 
uh, drift footage. Like, um, so I, I spent two years working with Riley Sexsmith and pro two and, um, they, the team that supported him came from drag racing and from uh, Canadian rally. So dove the team owner, it was very much like, Hey, if you're filming, like, can you do it? Can you do slow motion stuff so we can watch the car? And like religiously, we would come in from a run and he's like, okay, throw it on the laptop. And I would, I'd get the footage up and they would just sit and watch it over and over and over again. Like, what is the car doing? What's Riley doing behind the wheel? Like, what's the wheel doing? Like, it, it, there was constant review of everything that was happening with both the vehicle and the driver to figure out what needed to be adjusted. So from that, I and my <clears throat> whorish love of slow motion drift footage, in my mind, there's no other way to film drifting, but that's that's an argument for another day. Um, I feel like I've gained a really good insight on reviewing that footage and being like, oh, <clears throat> you know, this is what's going on with the car. Like you can you can tell by the way tire like tire smoke rolls off the edge of a tire if if you've got too much side bite. Like you'll see the tire the smoke shift more laterally than getting kicked at the back when when there's too much side bite, or you can see. If you know a car well enough, you can tell how many PSI are in the tire by how much that that tread is actually rolling up. Like it, I, for me, I just I just I absolutely love that shit. And and I think for anybody listening, if there's like any investment you can make in getting your car better, it's just filming yourself in in some way, even if it's just in car, just a GoPro where you can see the steering wheel, hopefully your feet in the same time. And just watch that. Fuck everything else that's going on in front of you. Just watch. Because, like, people don't realize they get, like, you know, hover hands or they'll, you know, their, their feet are constantly, like, searching for what they need to do next. Or they're, you know, they're back and forth, like, with the other hand. It's like, you don't realize you're doing it until you watch it. And in, in the same way that, like, I didn't realize how nasally my voice was until I was forced to listen to it. Like, it's uncomfortable <laughs> and nobody likes it. But, it, like, you, you need to do it. You need to live in the suck a little bit to understand what you're doing wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think footage is definitely something I mean it's footage is something that is, is crucial. Um, not just so much for you to critique yourself, but it also helps you with obviously your media and your marketing and stuff like that. So there's no reason that you shouldn't be doing it. I've I've been watching some of those I, I it's not the drift box, but it's some some people that draw out your your lines on the maps and stuff like that. And I've never used any of that stuff. Um, but sometimes like I, sometimes I've kind of wanted to use some of that stuff just to see where people are slowing down. But then like, I'll talk to Chelsea about it mm -hmm. and it's like, well, every driver it, it's, again, we go back to it being like skateboarding. Every, everyone's going to have a different personality, a different way of flicking. So it's almost like mm -hmm. what's the magic about drifting. It's like, you can try to make it black and white and you can try to nerd about it. You can really try to nerd about it, but at the end of the day, there's always a wild card there of inconsistency, mm -hmm. and I think that's what we love about it so much, that we can cross our T's, we can dot our I's, we can make sure all of our P's don't look like ours, and at the end of the day, there's still a chance. There's a real look that's there, that someone just showed up with whatever flavored Wheaties, and he's just on it, yeah. and... I think that's the thing that kind of rattles our brain because I'll sit there and like I used to spot and and write down the the speeds and this and that and and then you and then as I started doing it more and more I'm like I don't need any of this like it, like this doesn't really matter right this moment I just need this this and this but it all changes because depending on your driver depending on how he likes things to be delivered 
it's it's really it's really unique. I just wish I wish more people could see that side of it because like you know you could be like Papa Doc is about it, or you can kind of be the way Matt Field is about it, or you can be the way the RTR is about it, or you can be the way I'm about it, or the way you know Odie's wife is about it. She's this phenomenal spotter, you know, and yeah, everyone kind of has their own theory on how this is all going on, and it, it's really unique. It's I, I almost want to say there isn't a right or wrong because I've seen many methods work, so it just it, it kind of makes me think like are, are we doing it right or is is there a little luck in there or is, or is this sport just that vast you know what I mean? and i think that's what what keeps us intrigued because right when you think you have it it all figured out something happens where you're just like well back to the drawing board you know what i mean yeah i mean we've seen it happen time and time again where like you had a james dean come in and just wreck everything that everybody knew about fd at that time where it was like, you know, his way of chasing, like they had to change the rule book and the judging system because of his chasing style. Like if anybody remembers his first year, he had the car about, I don't know, 10, 15 degrees less angle than the other driver. And he basically put his turn signal into the front wheel of the other car and just the entire way around the track. And then the judging criteria basically changed. Like, no, we're not as worried about proximity. We need you to mirror it. And then James Dean's like, oh, okay, cool. And then does that. And then like the third year, they're like, okay, well, you still need to do that. But then we want you to be, you know, halfway on the car. We want your like the front bumper to be with the driver's door. And then Jamesy does the exact same thing again. He's like, oh, okay, that's fine. And just does it. And it's like, you know, we saw that. We saw the speed wars after a Daigo Saito. Like he comes in with a thousand horsepower and that's what does it. And then we saw, you know, a bit of a changing the guard as well with like, like Christoph's Bluche, where it was like people drove so much faster after him. Like there was Daigo where it was a lot of power and Daigo was, was very fast. Don't get me wrong. But like in comparison to like a Kristaps, it was completely different. Like Chris, Chris like, I, I don't know if you remember the, the night that Kristaps won in Atlanta. I've never seen a car as fast around that track in my entire life. Like gripped or not gripped. It, that car was a rocket ship. And, and, what, what you're saying is it's super cool because you can get all those different things. You can get a Forrest Wang who's not as fast, who just will back it in. And, and you know, or a JTP who's got that a great mix of the two where mm-hmm. he'll he'll use the entire track to like feign entry in and, and flick the shit out of it. But then he'll rocket ship to the rest of the track and then come through the last corner and like complete 90 degree across the line. Like, and and how do you... As a spotter, like, what do you even say? Like, okay, you're going up against JTP. He's going to faint and go fast. So good luck. Like, th- I mean, that's just, like, a lot of gambling. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can say that for sure. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll watch a lot of footage and you're just taking a very, you're taking a huge guesstimation <laughs> in some of these things. Yeah. Right? And, and, but I remember one time, sometimes it pays off. I remember um, Matt Kaufman. We were in St. Louis and he was going against James Dean. And I'm like, all right, yep. obviously this dude's really fast, Matt. I'm like, I don't think he's going to change anything because you've never, you haven't given him a reason to change anything. So we go into our first battle. I told Kaufman, look, he's going to go in with a slight little flick and then he's going to go in. After he goes in with a flick, you stay, try to stay on him like glue. There is no, I'm going to give him space. You just got to go. So yeah. they went through the battle. One more time happened. James Dean didn't expect Matt to be that fast, but I knew Matt was fast because he's a lunatic. So, <laughs> and he's he doesn't care who you are, but he's he's also like he's also like a space cadet in the best way possible, where he's just more culture shock that he's driving with James Dean, 
And I'm like, hey, buddy, we got to keep our head in the game. Hold on, but it's like, so yeah. we go off for the second battle, the second one more time, and I jump on the radio and I tell him, Matt, he is not going to do the faint now. He knows how fast you are. You have now given him a reason to show how fast he is. Dean yeah. did it one time the entire time in practice where he went blisteringly fast. And I was like, that's what he's going to call upon when he needs to really get away from someone. And I happened to see it right before I decided to go downstairs. So I got lucky. And then as soon as he, we went up, we went for the battle. Sure enough, Matt's like, are you sure he's not going to do the faint? I'm like, I'm gambling everything I got, dude. He ain't doing the faint. He's going to try to blow your fucking doors off. Anyway, yeah. So he was like, all right, go. He got on the horde, had so much fun. He was like, you were absolutely right. He messed up somewhere else. <laughs> but he had yeah. such a good time that he was just like, man. And it just goes to show you that those are the little things. Like, had he would have beaten Dean, it would have been huge for Matt. And we had a yeah. little bit of an opportunity, but even he didn't think this gamble was going to work. You know what I mean? This was just a chance in the darkness. And I'm like, well, you're the only one that's been able to match him speed-wise. So I'm like, he's only either going to do it with you or P-Tour or Chelsea. Because nobody else was going that fast at the moment. And mm -hmm. it ended up working out. But it's it's those little things. But it is it is a lot of pressure because like when you get called like, yo, what do I do? Like you just you have to have a plan. You have to have something in your head because they can't see what's going on. You know what I mean? So you just gotta be ready to just fire off and say, This is the best I can give you right now. Boom, 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 boom. And deliver it in a way where it's confident, because if you say it in a way where it's not confident, now they're going into this battle like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, I don't. I don't know what it's like to be in a driver's ear. I used to always with Riley, like before the line. If depending on the track, like in Texas or something, we we just sit and shoot the shit and just like you know talk about like where we're going to eat afterwards and like that seemed to work really well with yeah. him. Yeah. Where it was like, let's just let's just not talk about what's about to happen. You're just going to go out and drive. I'm going to go out and film. I'll see you back here and like. 45 seconds yeah. and that that seemed to go well I, i'm assuming it's the same thing with most drivers like what yeah. what you would say to a to a um matt kaufman versus an alec robbins is probably pretty different i mean it could be they're both pretty chill guys yeah uh, so it might be the same but they're making jokes and stuff like what's yeah. nice is that they don't talk too much but when they do talk it's always like a really good joke and you just appreciate it <laughs> you know what i mean like especially alec alec is alec robbins is is, is he that dude's a really Really good driver, man. And I think he's just going to get better and better yeah. now because this year, 2022, um, he's focusing everything he has on drifting. So he isn't working anymore. He's 100% yeah. going all in. And when I saw his program last year, I was blown away by how well his mechanics knew the car, how he knew the car, his mom, dad, his mother-in-law and father, like they were all involved. I mean, this was like the family. And like who would have thought that these people that live in Minnesota of all places understood all of this drifting stuff. Cause you know, usually the coastal guys are the ones that get this and it trickles down and stuff. But these are things that they just had in their head and they're like, well, we just thought this would work. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously they're right. You know what I mean? And it was just really cool to see that. And I think the only thing that I would have maybe suggested is like, man, if you could concentrate on drifting more, this would be great for you. And then this mm -hmm. year when he called me and he has like, he's like, are you on board for this year? And I, I had to give him the sad news that I wasn't going to come back for, for FD this year to spot. He told me he was going to go 100% all in and, and just focus on drifting. 
And I was really pumped for him because I think that's what's going to really make the change. Maybe not this year. Uh, it's going to be maybe an adjustment period. But I think by next year, yeah. um, he's really going to have his ducks in a row. And Because uh, that dude's really fast. Like, like He's so good. Yeah, he's scary fast. Sometimes I'm just like – I don't. I never want to tell him to slow down, but sometimes I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like, be careful. You know? It makes it makes me wonder. Um, I I don't want to shit on any company in particular, but I, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that Federal is a little bit behind on the tire game, and obviously uh, now jumping into the 315, that's going to make a huge difference. And and speaking with him, he's already told me it has. Like he's like it's it is night and day difference with it. But I would. I mean, I remember what he was like on the Achilles, and it's like. Fuck man, if you could if you could get on to a, a really fast tire or federal could just figure out what that last little ten percent they're missing. Cause it's not a lot. Like people people talk about this and it's like it's not that much. Like the the difference like, yes, they are not the most competitive tire, but looking at like what Rome has been able to do on those tires, like is it really that not competitive? Because that that's a guy that like I mean, in my mind, is punching way above his weight and doing incredibly well. Right, like, right, right. I remember, I remember, I remember hearing when when he's like, oh, "I'm going to like immediately go from pro two into pro," and I was like, Eesh. "I'm like, oh my god, okay, well, good luck." And then he did it, and I was like, "Okay, I was wrong. Like, he's, he has nothing to fucking worry about. He's he's got it." Yeah, I think um, I, he's done he's done some yeah. really good magical things with the federal tire. I mean. I, you know, I think at that point, it's like I'd like to see where the weight is on both vehicles. The suspension geometry, I think, in the 36 is superior than the G the 350Zs. Um, yeah. But, you know, who knows what, what those guys have done to those cars. I mean, I know a good bit of what Alex done. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not at liberty to say. I don't know. But it's, you know, he does a lot there. And I'm sure I've seen what Rome's done and respectfully don't want to say that, you know, but it's like. Who knows how they're, what they're doing to magically make all that stuff work? Um, it's it's really interesting to see the tire wars that happen. I mean, we have Achilles now, or Achilles that used to be in it. Um, the new Achilles is definitely the Valinos. I run the Valinos now, and those those uh, Perjura really? R's and those things are literally just one, two, threes on crack. Like they literally, <laughs> like I drove, I drove on them, and I was like, I love. It. Yeah, yeah, you're back. You're right. good. I, I love the way the car feels and everything on the Progeras. Um, it's just, it just reminds me of the one, two, three. So if 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 Valina was in Formula Drift, then they would be the tire. I think everyone would be using, or at least a lot of the people would be using. But who knows? I think in a couple years, it'll be another tire, and then in a couple mm -hmm. years, it'll be another tire. I mean, I remember when we used to have Dunlop, and then. Right. We had Achilles, and then I remember we used to have Cooper tires. So Hank you know, and it, yeah. drifting definitely has like this four-year high school grace period where the shit goes down for a while, and then it restarts again. So it's, you know, I just tell people, hang on, and, you know, if you don't look like the way back. it looks like right now, in three years it'll look different. You know? <laughs> so, I miss uh, I miss the smell of the Maxis tires. I mean, oh, I, Maxis tires, yeah. right? Remember? I don't know if you remember yeah. the, like the smell of those. There was something about him. I just I loved loved the smell of them. I think it. I think for me, like the first real time I got to see, like really entrenched in drifting, and this shows how young and I am naive I am to drifting in comparison to yourself, sir. Was the first grid life when Ryan Turk came out with the streetcar, the the Ooh. white beer, uh, white FRS. And he was on Max's tires. And I was like, I think there's some weird connection there where I'm like, I smell the, obviously I don't smell them anymore, but like, right. just like, oh my God, like that's, there's something about that. 
So I, I yeah, I know. there's certain tires. I, it does. Yeah. It definitely brings me back. I mean, even the smell of like ignite race fuel, like ignite red. I mean, I can, I can pick that out anywhere. Yeah, just, I smell just, that a lot now. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's, I mean, there's more and more guys running it at lower and lower levels too. I think they realize that like, we, I run it in that, in that competition 350Z that I drove, yeah. um, that, that it runs ignite red. It's, it's it's crazy. I'm still getting used to all that because it's a whole lot of bells and whistles in that thing. But like, <laughs> red and it has a quick change, and it's it's so complex. And it's I'm not complaining. It's 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 just just different. It's just one of those things where it's like if someone just showed up, like, here's a PlayStation 10 that doesn't yeah. even exist, but here it is, and it's like what the fuck? You know yeah. what do you do with all this? You know what I mean? It's, it's really cool to see how drifting far has come. I mean, it's it's awesome. The small tires, the gear, like the angle kits, like the tracks like yeah it, this is a, it's a pretty good time to be in drifting right now where, where do you where do you see this going like what do you you know five years from now where do you want this to be whether it's with car technology or like how events go or you know whatever um this is a tough one i know part? oh sorry i just i like how 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 can you see, what what do you see drifting being like in the next five years? Like whether it's the car technology or events or locations or culture, like what do you what do you think the change is going to be? Man, you know, I, I have no idea. Um, I think, I think, I don't think it's going anywhere at least for another ten years. Uh, yeah. As soon as I saw the Nissan Z come out, the 400Z, I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we got we some new chassis. Yeah, we got 350Zs, we got 370Zs, we got 400Zs, we got plenty of cars. The Mustangs are still coming out, so it's it's still there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd hate to say like I want to see what happens with the world, but I mean that's that's unfortunately a, a, a real reality. I know a lot of people maybe have had to gauge things back because of the eye gouging prices that are going on right now. And I think that's a reality that um, a lot of people need to realize, you know what I mean? I, I remember back in the day in 2008, I saw a lot of drifters go broke because the economy just went to the floor. Um, I luckily wasn't one of those people, but I, I knew a lot of people that just went broke. And yeah. um, I hope that doesn't happen this year. I hope people have a little bit more mind for it um, or in the next couple of years. I, I think I don't know. I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to continue having formula drift isn't going to go anywhere. That's still going to be what it is. But I think what we are going to have is a lot more structure or organization or more experiences going to happen to all these people that are doing these little side competitions. And depending on how much money starts going through there, I think that's what's really going to mix things up because – I'll be honest with you, I could give a shit about any competition this year, including, I mean, I love clutch kickers. I love those guys, and I, and I love that I went to go compete there last year. And I, I plan on going there for a couple of rounds this year, but you can go to Indiana and go compete for $25,000 first prize. Really? So, yeah, so I'm like... I didn't know that. So, so like, it's called the 50K, Link ECU 50K event. Uh, oh, okay, shoot okay. Or whatever. Right. So you go there, and if you win, you get 25K. So... I'm not saying it's about the money. I know some people are going to be like, yo, but it's, you know, it's not about the money. You're right. It's, it's not about, the you money. still need it, it though, but you still kind of need it. But this is what's cool about this, this event. All right. In my eyes and why I was like, I want to go to that. 
Because the who's who's going to show up, and when are you ever going to have a chance to go against these guys? Yeah, that's what happened you with clutch kickers, I mean? like, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, when was I, you know, I mean, I got to go against some dudes that I've hung out with before. I got to go against Rome. I, I luckily was able to beat Rome in a one more time, but it was by luck. Mm. You know what I mean? So I don't even count that. But, like, everybody else that had a square shot at me that was a pro, psh, knocked me out. I mean, they also had, like, 300 horsepower on you, but you still get to try. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And again, it's like I said before, to even be in that session with all those drivers, now you have an event. Like if you can even make it to like the, the elite eight that are shooting it out for 25 grand, like, I don't know, it's going to be kind of good. I hope there's going to be some playful trash talking. I hope there's going to be some playful, like it, you know, when are you ever going to have that type of opportunity to do that? So I think yeah. if more of those start to happen, cool i don't want it to become to the point where now it gets out of hand i don't know what that's going to look like you know what i mean i just i, I kind of hope that whatever happens with these smaller competitions that they grow at a very controllable rate and that nobody does anything sketchy um when it comes to the grassroots level i don't think anything's going to be different i think that's just going to evolve i think Grassroot drifting is like fashion. Like it's either you're in it or you're not in it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you know what's up and you know what you should be doing, then you're in it. And if you're not in it, and I know some people may not like that, but it's the truth. It's the grassroot drifting is like it's the who's who of what's popping in the drifting culture currently in the world, you know, or Japan. You know yeah. what I mean? So that's just what's going on there, you know. And the people that don't understand that world, they just immediately either go to another organization that don't have that. Or they jump into competition drifting where they can be serious about what they're doing. You know what I mean? So I say all that to say, like, I think drifting is just going to evolve more. No matter what flavor of drifting you want, you're going to be able to go find it. You just can't expect everyone to like the same flavor you like. Yeah, like, that's fair. You know, be happy that everybody likes drifting, but yeah. understand that there's going to be different variations of it because that's just the world we live in. And that's cool. That's okay. Because if this was all the same, this would be like NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I I still think that we're probably within five years going to see like a spec drifting series where it's a lot more locked down on chassis and, and engine. Like it'll be like, okay, you know, you can use one like of these. Three series? Yeah, I mean, it'd probably be a it'd probably be a nine series. I mean, realistically, by then, it'd be like E92s or something where it's like, okay, you know, we've got a fleet of old... I mean, I, you'd have to think about where could they source them from. So arguably it could be like old cop cars or something like that, where it's like we have a, a fleet of these or or taxis or Ubers or Teslas or something. It's like we bought an old fleet of them. We stripped them all down. Here are the specs. You can build it to these specs. You're allowed to run a GM stock crate engine from a, you know, at that time, a 2018 Chevy 1500 and... You know, you can use whatever coilovers you want. You can use, you know, this and that. You know, here's three approved angle kits, and here you go. I, I, and, and like, I know a lot of people that sounds like the grossest thing ever. Yeah, it sounds pretty hideous. It, de it definitely <laughs> does. But at the same time, like, I would be super curious to see how that goes. Like, so, where, where you so don't have some, think where you don't have 400 horsepower difference. I think this is why. This is why I think this is why I think something like that won't work. All right. Not just because of all those those unique that uniqueness spec rule of it. Yeah. But drifters complain a lot. 
Oh, I know. Like they complain a lot, a lot. Like they're like they're up there to some of the biggest cry. And now you're talking from a judging perspective. Like the biggest whiners, crybabies I've ever met in my life. Because like little Jimmy really thinks if he wins this competition, like he's gonna get picked up by like Ray's wheels or something. I don't know. It's they're just just yang yang yang, right? The problem with it is. I get a lot of people that hit me up and say, I, I really want a street event to happen, like a legit one. We try to do it with U.S. Drift Street Legal. There, I think the, the people that are doing it the best right now are currently Lone Star Drift Streets, uh, Street Legal and Drift Indie Street League. Yeah, I think those are the people that do it the best right now in the states that I know of. If there's someone else out there that does one, sorry. God forbid. Oh, don't worry. Here. You'll hear about it. Like, you'll hear yeah. about it. <laughs> Send me a video. I'd love to watch it. But as what yeah. I know right now and what I see right now and the vibe that Those I right. see, I think they're really good from those two places. Um, we tried to do it in Virginia with uh, with Brian Egger from, from Formula Drift and the Lookout Drift guys. that They go way back and they do all the U.S. drift events and everything. The problem is driver attendance. Mm. You have a lot of people that talk about, yeah, 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 I want to do it, I want to do it, I want to do it, blah, blah, blah. And then when it comes to sign up to these events, God. no one signs up. It's the same issue that the programs have. You'll have a couple programs that will do good, and then there will be like a year or two where it's just like no one shows up. You know what I mean? So how is any organization going to scale anything off of that type of inconsistency? I understand that the organizers have a responsibility to produce something that the drivers are going to like, but the drivers also have a responsibility of showing up. And that is a huge problem, I think, in drifting that no one talks about. I love the drivers. I think the drivers are literally what we build everything off of. But when there isn't any drivers that show up because of whatever issue, it's like, all right, you know what I mean? And I think the reason for that is because there's so many drifting events available now, and I can't speak for the world. I can speak for North America. There's so many drifting events in North America that I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, well, if I don't go to this one, I'll just go to that event. Who cares? And that's I think that's point. the mentality that a lot of people have because yeah. I couldn't have that mentality when I was younger. It's like if I didn't go to this event, that's it. This is the biggest event. But okay, well, East Coast Bash is at the end of the month. And then, oh, if I didn't go to that one, I can go to this one, which is maybe in someone's eyes just as equally as big so there's so many there's just so much more that's going on right now that it does make things a lot harder you know what i mean and there's a lot more eye candy for people to prepare their cars to go do which means not everything is going to have a full roster and that happens in competition drifting the absolute most if clutch kickers didn't have ten thousand dollars to win no one would show up that's a good point yeah no one would show up. I'm I'm not going to – like I love the people in Florida. I am not going to go down to Florida to go drift down there. I, I just don't like it down there. I just don't. I don't like the weather. I don't like – just don't like it down there. The only reason we go down there is because of the people that are showing up. You know, I get to drive with Brandon Whitnick and I get to drive with Alec Honadale. I yeah. go because of those people I get to drive with, not because I'm going to Florida. You know yeah. what I mean? Like – so it's like it's those type of things that are going on right now. And I think a lot of people just, oh, we're going to do this event. I'm like, okay, well, who's going to sign up? Who, who's going to sign up? Who's going to sign up to this event? You know, yeah. the gambler. I judge the gambler at Englishtown. There's sometimes we only have 10 drivers sign up. And you can win $4,000. <clears> yeah, one you know in 10 shots. Yeah, sometimes it just means keeping your car together. That's it. 
and, through, and through a couple of battles. Just, people don't do, oh, no, I'm getting ready for this event. Oh, I'm getting ready for that event. So it's I'm happy that there is so many events. But with the more events, there is less and less focus on competition drifting. Now, some people may like that. Some people may not like that. But that's just the way it is right now. You know what I mean? Like if you go to Florida, yeah, 100 percent, you're going to meet a bunch of people that are going to sign up for the Pro-Am. But look at what's down there. You got Drift HQ. You got Chelsea that moved down there. You got Adam Z that moved down there. So the whole culture right, is Dan just moved down there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the whole yeah. that whole area has been geared toward that. Not intentionally. Yeah. It's just what happened up here. I can I can tell you from a fact the local clubs up here don't really support competition stuff. They're just like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's going to reflect, you know? So there's been, so just within my own world and, and probably things that you may not be aware of, uh, there's been two things recently that, that changed that I think could spread further. One of them is a thing called house league drifting in Canada um, held by a bunch of guys uh, called drift jam, where it's like a, oh, I love those guys. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like Jovier and yeah, yeah. So yeah. they, they made house league drifting where like, it's, it's, you know, you party around, you do all this stuff. There's a mini competition, but it's just within that. You're not going to win anything big. It's just a friendly competition while there's other shit going on. And I'm like, okay, that's fucking fantastic because like Ontario can't support. It really just can't support a full competition level at even a top 16 there's just not 16 quality drivers that could commit to doing a full season it just doesn't exist our population's not big enough i mean all of ontario is like the size of california so like or all of canada i think is the size of california and then the other one is and there's another shameless plug because they're a a client of ours and good friends uh, is lake erie speedway so they didn't get the FD ticket this year. So they went all in on like, okay, we've already built this culture of drifting. And they've had a fantastic drifting program for years now. And they're like, we're going to really push for it. So they got prospect licensing. They are doing um, a full season, multiple rounds, but they're mixing it with their big three-day drifting festival. So it's like the competition's only taking up part of one of the days and the rest of it is intermingled with the rest of the drifting. So it's like, you know, you can have your, you know, if you, and if you're doing the, I believe if you're doing the pro-am, you can, you also get to go with run group A. So you can right. use that as your practice time. You can go out and bang doors with guys. And then during competition time, you do your competition. And then right after it's like group C, you know, stock BMW comes out right after. And like, to me, that is your best way of introducing new fans to it because that racetrack does a lot of different events, whether it's demo derbies or monster trucks or whatever. So you're going to hopefully get guys coming out supporting, you know, their local drivers. And then you're also going to get lower tier guys who now get to experience what competition is like and, and hang out with those drivers. And, and, and you're going to intermingle all of these crowds together to try and build just a better drifting community. So I have to, I have to give like a massive shout out to the Drift Pahoney guys and AJ at Lake Erie Speedway, because like, I, I think that is probably the best way you're going to do it. Cause it's like, even if you don't want to compete, you could show up and then maybe there's, maybe there is an extra slot open and you're like, fuck it. I'm already here. Like what's the extra couple hundred bucks. And now I can try and win a license and same thing. Like they've got, they've got money up for grabs too. So it's like, it just works. I think think Lake Erie and and all those guys up there doing a really good job. um, Definitely incorporating their drift vibe events that they're doing or team vibe events. Um, Those are nuts. 
they saw what's going on there. And, and, and you're right. I think that's the best way of doing it is the way you just explained it. More so because for the last couple of years in Virginia, that's exactly what we did. We would do what's called the Battle of the Bay at Langley Speedway. Um, it's, it, you know, we're able to live stream it, the whole shebang. So the problem is, is that I can only see that happening really good one round. So what yeah. happens and you start having these shootouts and I'm one of the judges at, at some of the last events that we had at the shootout where certain drivers won their licenses. And I'm like, this is wrong. Like these people are just going to get completely dogged in the formula drift. They're not good enough and we should be ballsy enough to be able to say, you ain't good enough. We're not giving it to you. I mean, we yeah. have to, we have to draw the line somewhere and sure enough, people didn't have a good time. You know what I mean? But hey, it, it is what it is. But yeah. I think the serious people that should earn a license should go do a whole series. Now, I i don't know if they're doing a whole series, and if they are, I'd want to see, is everyone showing up to every single round? Because when I was doing it in 2013, yo, everyone was showing up. You had – I was doing Prime right along with Jeff Stoneback, Steve Angerman, Rapper Dan Savage. Um, I was doing it with uh, Austin Meeks. I was doing it with yep. all of these, and we always Meeks. showed up. There was a consistency of drivers that would show up. At any given time, you could never say, oh, this person's going to win because you just didn't know. I'm sorry. I cannot say that currently in drifting now, at least in my area. I, I can't I'm, say that. I can't say I that. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna, we're going to do five rounds and everyone's going to show up. I, I will put money that if we do five rounds, we're going to lose 50% of the drivers by round three. I'm, yeah. And that's, you know. I, and I don't think anyone can pull it off right now. I just think there's the culture shift, shifted. Maybe do a three three event, three round program. Maybe that'll do it. I don't think shootouts are appropriate. I think that's wrong to do in order to give someone a license to get into Formula Drift. I'm, I agree. I judge the events, but I, I don't think it's right. Sorry. You know, like a lot of my friends won their licenses that way, but I've told even them, I'm like, I don't think you deserve it. You just got lucky because that's why you didn't show up. I, I mean, I, I'm super – anybody who's ever listened to this podcast, I'm super vocal about not liking shootouts. I, I can't stand them. I, as you said, I, I think it's wrong. I think it's an injustice to the driver. I think you're immediately setting them up for failure because they don't – They all they had to do is do okay at one track one time. That's exactly. it. Exactly. They didn't have to do the logistics of tires, traveling, all the real Adjusting stuff for tracks. Yeah, yeah, adjusting you know, for different track layouts, whatever. Like, yeah, and, and that's I, I mean, I'm happy stuff, to, yeah, I'm happy that Clutch Kickers is going to have you know different layouts and things. I'm happy that they're doing it at a track that's going to have a mix of a bank and a, and a road course in it. I think that I think the combination with Cletus McFarlane is is fucking incredible. Like, I think that's the best thing Clutch Kickers could have ever done. It just, I, I and and I mean. I guess they're not a, really a shootout anymore. That's a that's a whole series now. But are they are they handing out uh, a license for every event? Who uh, clutch kickers? Clutch kickers? Yeah. No. Or is they it have just, nothing to do is there, with the licensing. There's no licensing. Okay, so it's just the money. So just the money. Yeah. Okay, that's a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know. I just I've never. I mean, that, there shows how much I know. Um, I just I don't. I just I I can't just get look, behind. Look at it this way too. Like you can also like you also live in a time where. You could backdoor it. You know what I mean? Let's say you go to – let's say you do three events the whole year, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you yourself, you go out there, you show up with a baller-ass car, 
you podium third place at clutch kickers one time you get first place at clutch kickers the other time and then you go to this 50k championship and you get either first or second place right mm-hmm. i bet you depending on who showed up and who your competition was at that event if you did that good and you have a whole bunch of other grassroots events and blah 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 and then you go to formula drift with a plan saying that i have secured this amount of money to do this season i want to go to prospect that's almost a better application than you winning a shootout I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I mean, with the changing of the guard at FD um, now in Ryan's hands, like I'm, I'm interested to see how everything goes Um, because obviously like the, the application process thing was a little weird for a while. Um, There were drivers who were getting in who just had no business getting in and just got in either because, you know, they could clearly show that they had funding or they, they'd done okay at a few events. Um, but I don't think that's any better than than winning a shootout, in my opinion. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, arguably, as shitty as it sounds, like showing that you have financial backing is probably a better application process than you want a shootout. Because a shootout is, is going to cost you that amount for one round. Like, I've talked about it numerous times. Like, if you're going to do, if you're going to do prospect, even with the new rules and, and the discounts on ECUs and stuff like that or whatever, the tire like the tire distribution rule and stuff now, you're still bare minimum three thousand dollars an event. And like I mean, absolute you've you've somehow managed to harness every downhill that you save on fuel, you're sleeping in the rig, you you bought all all the food from home, like you're still fifteen thousand dollars to do that year like it's it's i don't know that's that in my mind that's that's the part that's that's failing the system right now is that i don't think drivers are fully aware of exactly how much it costs to do this i don't think that they're fully prepared for the amount of stress planning logistics and bullshit that goes along with trying to move everybody to an event um and and it's the financial burden that they get themselves in that ends up crippling their career and potentially their life. I mean, that's the part that really frustrates me. And I mean, that to kind of bring it around to even how you and I first started chatting, like that's part of the reason why I'm trying to get as much information about how to market yourself and get sponsors out there as possible. Because it's like, I just, I need, I need to feel like I'm not causing this problem. I'm at least trying to help some of it. Because I and I and I, you don't have to get into specifics, but I'm sure you can point to at least a few drivers that damn near ruined themselves financially trying to get to this dream, and and just solely because they weren't fully prepared for the, the true cost of what they're getting into. Wait, I didn't catch that last part. It cut out a little bit. Oh, sorry. I was I, I said that like I, I'm sure you know of drivers who are probably financially ruined because of they weren't aware or they didn't manage their finances correctly, and you know it's. You know, maybe not ruin their lives, but like, that's the reason why they're not drifting. They just, you just oh, can't man, afford it. I think it. we lost each other again. Oh no, I can still hear you. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this part out. Um, I guess I could do like a sponsor plug at this point in time. So if you've gotten this far, this episode is sponsored by uh zzx digital zzx digital i think reese can hear me now Uh, i just went into a i went into a sponsor plug when you disappeared so um if you guys are looking for any help with your marketing feel free to hit us up there is a free tool now available on our website go to zzx.digital slash driver 
put in your email and you will basically get a tool to help you with your social media posting. Um, let me know what you think. If it helps you, awesome. If it doesn't help you, then I, I, you're helpless then at that point. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we should probably wrap it up. We've, I mean, we're already well into an hour and a half at this point. Um, yeah. Do you want to do any shameless plugging? I mean, your TikTok channel is fucking fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, if you guys want to see me talk about <laughs> uh, my perspective on uh, drifting and instructing and little things that go on. I mean, I'm still kind of fresh to the TikTok stuff. I just started seriously back in like the beginning of March. No, no. Beginning of February when I came back um, from that trip I took with those guys. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. But um, you can find me on TikTok. It's Senpai, Senpai Reese. And then you can find me on Instagram, uh, Reese Marin. You can find all the videos. And you can look me up on uh, Drift, Ever, uh, Drift School Evergreen if for whatever reason you guys are looking to get into drifting and want to come rent a car and uh, learn by me and stuff like that. I have all that available. So I should do that one day. Just like come out and be like, okay, tell me truly how bad I am. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. I have a lot of people that uh, – God, it's it, they hire me literally just for that. They like bring me to English Town, and they just have me sit there and watch. And they're like, "How bad is it?" And I'm like, "This is not the way I want to approach this." Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's not why I'm here. This is not why I'm here. So, like, but it's it's it's. Let me just say, it's a blessing that so many people take my opinion um, into consideration when they're setting up chassis or you know, when they're trying to do anything with drifting. And I always tell them, I'm like, I'm giving you my perspective through the experiences that I had, but keep in mind the experiences that you're having or the application that you're running may differ a little bit. So you have to be kind of studious and adaptive um, that we're giving you a guide. Um, Cause I always have, like I have people that say, I want to drive just like you. And I'm like, that's impossible. Like you would have to literally be who I am. You know, like what yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the basics. I'm going to give you the fundamentals and I'm going to give you all the tools that you need. And then you are going to develop your own style because I think that's that's really the best gift of drifting is that you show someone how to do this. You give them all the tools. You give them the, the good theory, the terminology. And then when you cut them loose, they turn into whatever drifter that they want it to be. Like I don't want to have any influence on how they turn out or what type of drifting they end up doing. That's not my job. You know, my job is just – teach you the techniques, give you the best advice that I can, hopefully save you some money in the process. And maybe you'll fall in love with the sport as much as I have, because this is 16 going on 17 years now. And I don't, I don't think I'm stopping anytime soon. Oh, that's awesome. Well, dude, thank you. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we got yeah, to, yeah. to nail this down. Uh, I'm hoping we get to run into each other at some point in time this year. I don't know if if you're planning on going out to uh, to E-Town e for FD, but oh I mean, yeah, E-Town. Cool. If you're going to be at E-Town, we could definitely link up there. If I can get my car done, then that 350Z will be there for Pro Brodown. Do you know what Pro Brodown is? I do. I will be sticking around for Pro Brodown. So okay. let's. I I will have all of my camera gear with me. So let's 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 have some fun with that. Yeah, definitely. If I uh, if the car ends up being done and we we go testing that day over at English Town. And everything's good. You get to meet the team owner, and we'll just Thank introduce you. you everyone there because that's that's the home nice. stop right there. So that's yeah, no, that's that's wicked. I am uh, I'm actually sticking in the states between Grid Life and FD, so I, I actually don't have a lot to do. So maybe we'll be able to hang out before then. <laughs> yeah, definitely, dude. I mean, like I, it, the school isn't too far away from English Town, so we'll work something out, and you know, if it if it helps you out and stuff like that, you know what I mean. See what yeah, yeah, dude. Up. I'm I'm stoked. Let's uh, let's make something happen. Yeah, I uh, I. 
I, I, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So thank you again, guys, for everybody who's listened. Uh, if you guys like this episode, give it a share. Make sure to check out all of Reese's stuff. Um, check out ZZX Digital. Shameless self-plug on that one. But hey, if I can't get normal sponsors for my podcast, I might as well sponsor it myself. <laughs> Damn so. right. 